Welcome to the 296th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on August 7th, 2022. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man who's had a busy week, Carlos Rodella. Very busy. Very busy indeed. Same, buddy. Same. I don't know if it's in the stars or what, but this has been quite possibly the busiest week I've had all year, and that's saying something. Whoa. How about you? Well, actually, you're more busy than I do because I actually took an official day off of work this week. So oh, day, I don't know. Day off? Day what is off. It? I don't understand. It means what you that don't mean? do the work. It's weird. It's real weird. I don't even understand. Are you speaking Spanish right now? Because I'm not, I'm not getting that. Uh, I hablo espanol un poquito, but that's not what I'm doing right now. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Yeah, I decided to, because it was really busy. And you know that term burnout happens? I live that. Bur- I live you that live term. in burnout. That's your middle name. I'm the burning uh, man. Burnout. I went to, went to the desert. Everybody came, came and said hi to me when I was out there. So you're like, there he is. Uh, and so, yeah, I took an official day off. And I know we're not supposed to talk about like life stuff before we start because we decided we're doing it at the end of the show. We are. But I will say this one quick thing. I went and saw my first movie in a theater. And I know you're already like upset by that uh, because of obviously <laughs> issues in the world. But here's sure. the good news for you as, and everybody listening. I went in the middle of the day on a weekday because I had taken a day off. Wow. And it was just me. Oh, I love when that happens, dude. So I also it felt good with the safety concerns, right? That's good. Yeah, that's And good. it was just me. And like it's the one of those ones where they bring you food if they if you want, you oh, know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy comes over with a mask and he's like, Well, if you want something. And he's like, I guess the movie's for you today. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Well, it was so cool. Save that movie. I want to hear about that because I don't know what movie you went to go see. Um, but excellent. I'm glad that that, uh, that worked out for you. Actually. Yeah, it was fun, and I felt safe about it. So, anywho, uh, it has been busy for both of us, but we're going to talk about games today. Yeah, it has been a really busy week. And kind of just giving you a quick background on today's show, this is probably going to be, in terms of main game content, the shortest show that we've maybe ever done. I know Carlos had a really banging week. I had a bananas week like this was so busy. I just did not have time to sit down and play games, Yeah, which is weird because I write about them. I email about them. I talk to people about them. I was even on the phone about them this week talking to PR people. And it's like I just did every single thing with games except for play games, which is why we have so few games to talk about. So I apologize in advance. I know a big draw for the show is people really like that we have like this bonkers number of games every week, which is fun. We try to do that. But like, man, life got in the way this week for it seems like both of us. So. Apologies in advance. We've only got four games, uh, maybe five in the main main chunk, which is which is weird. Very, very few numbers. But we're going to go for this. We're going to hit it. Also, um, if you're just rejoining us uh, and you're a long-time listener, you may be wondering where is the housekeeping. Heads up, we, clo- we closed the house for fumigation, changing up the format a little bit. We're going to be rolling right into the game's content now. But if you do want that special sauce, listen at the end for just one more thing before we go. You will get that same flavor. Cool? Yep. Yep. All right, and now the games. Let's do it. Carlos, you are kicking us off this week with a little platformer. I think I saw some PR about this called Hell Pie. Um, can't say I love the title, but uh, it looks kind of cute in pictures. You want to tell us all about it? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I played the demo in the Xbox Demo Game Fest. I, I believe that say. was the demo, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it's a platformer. This is a perfect example of what we talk about on the show all the time, where certain games, you know, certain genres you just are in the mood for. And if they hit you at the right time and they come out the right time, then you're like, I'm in. Absolutely. Is this 2D, 3D? 3D? Uh, well, 3D, yeah. Okay. Um, it's a platformer like any of the other, you know, Mario, whatever, you know, 3D platformer. Banjo-Kazooie, something Banjo-Kazooie, like that, Spyro, yeah. whatever. Sure, yeah. okay. 
Uh, all the ones that kind of like, yeah, you're if you're in the mood for uh, Lucky's Tale was one from X. Oh, sure, that was a good one. Yep. Yeah, and you're like, okay, this is exactly what I want. Collect the fun, fun, you know, just kind of mindless. But what this is, you know, the draw for me was, it's very much like Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Which, if you like that, I don't know. You can love or hate that Ooh, game. Yeah, not a not a fan. Not a, not fan, a fan for fan. you. But a lot of us like the kind of you know ridiculous humor. And what this does is it mixes that style, but also like the jokes about hell, you know, and like angels and all that kind of stuff. And then also Ren and Stimpy. Okay. Be- because there's a lot of like moments where they'll show like a character, and then they'll go into like that really gross kind of detailed painting version of it. Ugh, that John Crickfalusi yes. super up close with nose hairs and boogers and yes, stuff. Yes, yes, yes. And I think I can, weirdly enough, I can find some of that funny. Um, but they're also like poking fun at just like general stuff about the world. Like, so in the beginning, you play as this little character. He's a demon of bad taste. So okay. he's, he's not one of the main demons. And, uh, you know, there are, a, it's kind of like an office setting, which already is funny. And in the office setting, you know, there's like the seven deadly sins. So gluttony has his office and all the different like demons have their offices. Sure. And you're a minor demon. And of course, like the devil calls you on the phone and gives you a task. So you have to do something, which is the whole story, which is basically making a pie, uh, which doesn't make sense. But that's what you're doing. And you're running around the office. And why I'm saying it's funny is because they're really taking lots of shots at just regular world stuff. I was in a corporate, you know setting walked into a meeting room and there's like this huge uh chart on the wall and it says like the effects of global warming on hell you know and it's like an arrow up into the right and stuff like that gotcha, gotcha. so things that probably wouldn't make you laugh it seems <laughs> as i describe it but it's just this jovial you know thing with some kind of shots at like real sure. world stuff comedy is hard Comedy's comedy tough. is hard and it's subjective but again i was just in the mood for like a light-hearted tell me some jokes and also do good platforming. The main reason I'm also bringing it up is because the platforming is fucking excellent. Oh, good. Okay. That was going to be my main, my main question because, you know, jokes can land, they cannot land. You can like a theme or maybe not like a theme, but if this is a platform, it's gotta be about the platforming. So tell us about that. Like how, how's that going? Yeah. And it's so fun because it uses this mechanic. I don't think I've ever used, which is you obviously can run and jump. You can double jump. You can dash. Um, the dash isn't like a roll or anything, you know, my, me and my loving my dodge rolls, but it works. It can smash through things. Um, you, the big component and it's tied to being, you know, comedy is you find, um, you're in the supermarket, which of course, you know, hell has a supermarket. Sure. And you're in there picking up ingredients, looking for, you know, I got to make this pie. Wait, wait, is it all self-checkout? Because that would be hell for me. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Didn't touch. I like self-checkout, weirdly I enough. Fucking, oh my God, I hate it so much. Well, that's because you, um, speaking of demons and goblins, you have a tech goblin problem where technology hates you and goblins come out of everything that oh, is technological. That is absolutely true fact. But also, I usually buy a bunch of things when I go to a grocery store. I very rarely go to a grocery store for just one thing. So when oh. I go, I usually have a, a lot of stuff. And yeah. also, I used to be a grocery checker. I don't know if people know this, a little inside baseball, but I used to work um, as a grocery checker for many years. And I just think that self-checkout fucking blows goats. Anyway, off track. No, but back on that track is I was a, um, you know, in the back room stock boy or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, And then that person also had to do bagging groceries. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, and get carts like he. He or she. Oh, I did that, too. I did that, too. It was actually kind of weird. It was weird. Sex, like slight, slight tangent here. 
weird sexism because I worked at um, Fred Meyer. Uh, if you're in the Northwest, you probably have heard of Fred Meyer. It's a pretty pretty big chain here. So I was a grocery checker, and when I <laughs> they may, they may come after me with a lawsuit for this. When I took my test, you have to take a test, and the people who work there didn't think that my male brain could remember the different fruits and vegetables because that was woman's work. And huh? I was I was really blown away by that because they thought I was too dumb to do it because I was a guy. So I passed that with flying colors um, because, you know what? Spoiler, I can tell the difference between cucumber and celery. That was no problem. So and then after that, I was a checker. Um, and then I was also the cart getter. I was also a bagger. And I was also the first male person in Fred Meyer history to ever work the child care center. And it's funny because they put me there because they wanted to get rid of me. They didn't want me to be there anymore. So they're like, well, he's a guy. He'll hate taking care of kids. He'll hate watching those things, what uh, videos and stuff. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll totally do it because I got to sit and watch Disney movies all day long. Why not get paid for that? And uh, yeah, they didn't fire, they didn't fire me because of that. And I was the first male uh, first male attendant ever. So I, I made made some history with Fred Meyer there as a guy. Wow. I guess not like guys need to like make any kind of history anywhere because I think white white dudes already have enough to their credit and maybe too much. But it was just interesting to get that kind of like reverse sexism at a grocery store. Yeah. Also, side note, um, if you ever want to meet people like in a dating sense, dude, grocery store is the bomb. I met so many chicks. It was redonkulous. I guess I did, too. Yeah, because oh, there were so many like women checkers in yeah. my uh, grocery store. Women checkers and women. Women eat food. They fully eat <laughs> food. I can confirm that as a fact. And when they would come through the line, they'd be like, oh, I mean. Oh, who's that? Who's that single guy in that line? It's he's 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 got a job. He's, he's got a nice. job. He's it's got, not a great job, but he's got not a, a great job. job. But man, I met so many checks when I was working at the grocery store. Anyway, tangent. anyways, the tangent should be over. But I will say that I am an excellent bagger. I remember that. I, Ooh, I, we should have I, a bag off. Oh, that sounds that would be a fun little thing. We could weird. Do. But yes, we terrible should. podcasting, but a fun event. A bag off is the name for the podcast. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Okay, so back to the game. Help pie, which I think is great. Here's the mechanic. So when you're in the supermarket, you have to pick up, um, you have to buy a cherub. And they're like, used cherubs are really gross. Like, uh, And they're alive. You know, it's just a isn't cherub. Like slavery? Isn't a cherub like an angel? Yeah, it's a bad thing. They're all in cages. It's really gross. awful. Okay, that sounds awful. Um, and some of them are in, yeah, in bad uh, situations. But the one you get has a nice little head of hair and is really happy. And, uh, you know, jovial and kind of chubby. And um, so you get to buy this cherub. Uh, and it gets chained to you, which all sounds terrible, but it's floating. And it's amazing because what it does is you can swing it so it attacks, right? That's a, your, it becomes your main attack. Like a, like a little, like a, like a morning star or something. Exactly. Like a little, like a little okay. swing Flail chain thing. Yeah. Sure. And then when you jump in the air, you hold down right to, I'm playing on PlayStation, and it becomes a grappling hook thing that you swing on. And if oh, that makes okay. sense, you have to be like high up enough in the air to, for it to work, right? Like either double do you, jump or do you jump attach off something. It to something, or like does no, the have that's wings the beautiful can, thing. Oh, okay. So he like hovers in the air. While Just he's hovers in the air. Yeah. Ah. Now it, it, the cherub has a skill tree, so later on you'll be able to do that more than once, or longer, or faster. You know. By the beginning, you can just do it once and just get you over somewhere. But then you do this great combo of jump, uh, grapple, swing in the air, then double jump, then dash. Right, those so kind of channel, things. Your channel, your moves for yes. maximum mobility. Yes. Gotcha. And that gotcha. kind of stuff makes just having the maneuverability in a platform like that gives you just so many more options, and you don't feel like you just like ate shit and you know died so quick because you you know missed one button. Mm -hmm. It gives you almost like more than one out, right? 
Gotcha. Like you're jumping over a pit of fire, which is happens gotcha. in hell, and then you like have more options. So it just feels really fun. And it also does that great platformer thing of like you could smash a lot of things and get crystals or whatever the hell you're saving. It's some purple things. And you're <laughs> you're getting those purple things to like buy new costumes and stuff. And there's new costumes and they're funny. Like I'm wearing like a Hawaiian shirt right now. Um anyways, it's just super fun, ridiculous, perfect timing for me right now. I was in this a lot of heavy-duty games, and I think it's great. I, I just think they, they knocked it out of the park. Um, and, yeah, you might not like that kind of humor. Then maybe it's not for you. But even if you don't, it's pretty darn fun. Can you tell me – I mean, this sounds kind of okay. I do like a good platformer. I'm not sure that the comedy is selling me, but I am kind of wondering about the graphics, though. I took a quick look. I'm not looking at it now um because i'm trying to maintain all of my technological resources for recording this <laughs> podcast uh but i remember glancing at it and i remember it looking kind of sketched like what are the graphics like are they rough are they are they cute is it stylized can you tell us a little bit about what it looks like yeah it's almost like just an upgraded conquer's bad fur day it has that feel to it like the characters are very cartoony and i guess stylized in a way it doesn't look messy or bad at all i don't i know that what things you ding art for and it's not any of those um, it's got its own style, you know, it really, it leans into what it is, but okay. it's okay. very cartoony in that way. It's, it's just simplified blocky in a kind of way, but it all fits. And like, you know, a perfect example is walking through that supermarket in hell. Like it's all does just what it needs to do enough, like to be believable. Right. Right. Um, but then also kind of abstract and kind of almost Tim Burton, I would say in a, a way dark dark edge a little dark edge uh, in the supermarket by the way there was a death metal section where they like were selling records mm-hmm. and it said like death metal forever or something and then in that section you could hear like metal music playing ah. and like i just i mean i'm a big fan of metal too so it just fit it, yeah it checks all the boxes it reminds me of like those jack black games what was that game oh yeah like when he was doing brutal like legend the, brutal legend yeah, yeah sure. it's got a brutal legend vibe Okay. So okay. I don't know. I don't think it's your thing, but anybody listening wants a good platform that's fun, and especially especially if you like Conquer's Bad Fur Day. I mean, that's this is kind of like a spiritual successor. I'm gonna call it. Interesting. Well, I may not want to get into this, but my wife might like it. She really likes platformers a lot. She's like a huge platformer fan, and we don't get a lot of good ones these days. So maybe I will. Oh, it's so good. Maybe I'll maybe I'll pass it off to her. She's in the mood for a good platformer right now, so we'll see. You All know, right. I'll say this last thing. You know, good platformer when like right now I'm thinking about it. You know, like I yeah. know that later tonight I want to do a couple levels because it's like I want to get back in that world. So I mean, sign of a great game right there. So, yeah. all right. Uh, let's see. So funny thing happened this week. Um, it's a good week for Kaiju games, which is weird. Uh, I I feel like maybe some people at some point must have had a Kaiju game jam or something. And then they all just started developing at the same time. Um, I like kaiju games and kaiju being, you know, the Japanese word uh, for, I guess, monster or something. I'm not, I don't speak Japanese. Maybe that's not the right uh, uh definition please correct me if i'm wrong That's but right. i always it's see it associated monster. with yeah, yeah with godzilla things. and stuff like that yeah. um and I, there's also another word that maybe people are less familiar with which is tokusatsu which is kind of like the ultraman if you guys know where you're like you're in a costume you're doing a lot of fighting and acrobatics and stuff kind of like a show you know power rangers ish which some people call sentai stuff because that's who makes that stuff there's a whole there's a whole like you know hole we could go down but basically kaiju slash tokusatsu kind of stuff um i'm a big fan of all that i love it my son loves it we, that's a real bonding thing for us where we kind of watch those shows ultraman godzilla yeah uh, whatever whatever gamera stuff like that so this was a good week for that the first game that came down the pike now hold on a second carlos because your head might spin a little bit is called giga bash that was the first one that i played this week 
Right. And I got that one and I'm like, huh, Gigabash. Okay, cool. And then I got a pause in my mind and I'm like, wait a minute. I think I'm also supposed to be taking a look at another kaiju game that's also called Gigapocalypse. And I'm like, wait a minute. Am I confused? No. There's actually two kaiju games. Same week. Same uh, same request from PR. Gigabash and Gigapocalypse. Both same kind of content. Totally different games. Yeah. Two, two so, gigas. Two, yeah, that's right. Two gigas this week. So let's talk about Gigabash first. Uh, this is the one that I'm currently playing on PS5. Uh, this is a kind of an overhead. It's not exactly. I mean, I guess it's kind of isometric, but it's kind of like an overhead where you pick from a bunch of different, um, you know, kaiju monsters. And then you pick one. Then you go into this world. It's. I think it's originally conceived as a party brawler sort of a game where like maybe four people get around your you know, online or something console and everybody picks a monster and just like mess each other up, which is fine, but I don't like those kind of games. Like I don't, uh, number one, I never get that many friends together. I'm not sure if I even have four friends. There's you. <laughs> Shit. Do I even have, and, four? I, and I by mean, the way, I would not play it with you. I wouldn't play I with you either. Friend. So, I mean, you're just you're ruled out all the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't do group multi online stuff like that. So, but there's also a story mode and that's why I agreed to, to take a look at it. Cause they said there was a pretty cool story mode and they're right. I think the story mode is actually pretty cool, which is nice because usually when somebody says I got a party game, but there's a story mode, it's like a total trash throwaway. Not this time. They did a really good job on it. Um, so Gigabash, you start off with like, uh, this one monster. He kind of looks like a, I don't know, just like a weird googly eyed. Like if you looked at it, you'd be like, oh, dude, that's a totally 70s Japanese rubber suit movie monster kind of thing. It's very on point. Like if you know the genre, it fits the the kaiju genre really well. Um, you start with this dude. You go through a couple of levels. Um, it starts out easy. You're like you're like punching cars. You're punching fencing to get escape. You're punching buildings. And then at the end, you punch like this other monster and then like it's over. Um, between levels, you get like this little like very little story scenes, but they're really well done. They tell you like the history of like, oh, there is this island and these people found an artifact and this dude comes out of a volcano and then he becomes a monster. And like it's all like this is not war and peace. OK, but like it's not supposed to be like kaiju stuff is like you get into it, have a good time. Shit gets punched. Buildings fall down. That's what it's all about. And I embrace it for that. And so I, I feel like the developers get it. Like they know what they're doing. They understand it the way that I understand it. And so getting these little story cutscenes is just it's just enough to keep the story going, which is exactly what you want. Like, let's say you're watching a Godzilla movie. You're there to see the, the, the big lizard wreck shit with his tail and blow his, uh, you know, radioactive breath. You're not there to talk about the people who are like suffering the wreckage. Right. But like they give you just enough story to get back to the to the Godzilla stuff. Like it's a good balance. Right. And mm -hmm. I think they nail that balance here. You get into a level, punch shit up, get a little bit of story that's actually pretty well done, and then that's it. There's some lore, uh, and then after you finish that first campaign with the first guy, you go into the second guy. It's a whole new monster. He's got a whole new backstory, whole new cutscenes. It's really well done. I feel like it's really great. This content is pretty light, but it's supposed to be, just like the movies are. And I feel like I've been jumping into it and doing like maybe a couple levels, or like one monster per day, right? Where you're like four or five levels max. And I feel like that's it. Like it's not supposed to be something you grind away at for hours. It's not a giant RPG. You just get in, bash some stuff. Now, let's talk about the actual gameplay. I know. I was going to ask a question on that real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, as part of it, and you might get to this right now, but, like, is it difficult in any way? Do you find yourself dying, or is it, like, super easy, or? Well, okay, so that goes back to the difficulty settings, right? So, like, I wanted to have fun. I put it on the easiest setting, and on the easy setting, it's super, 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 super easy, okay. which is fine, because that's what I wanted. I wanted just to wreck shit. I did not want to be in any danger. I wanted to be the big, strong monster and just to, to kick people's ass, and that's exactly what I got. I think there's three or four different settings and there's even like a setting that's even locked. So you got to like beat the game on the hardest setting before you can even get to the hardest, hardest setting. Um, so that's one thing. It seems like there's going to be plenty of difficulty, but you know, 
Mm. I think that's not what I'm here for, but it seems like they would deliver it. Also, since this is primarily a multiplayer game, it probably depends on like how good your friends are. But right. if you want to just cruise through the story mode, it's super easy. If you want more difficulty, you can jack it up like three more difficulty levels and see how that goes. But for me, it's fine. Having fun. Um, I have not died so far, but uh, number one, it's not easy. Number two, I'm a good player. So I, I'm, doing I'm a good player. Girl. I'm a good player. Uh, but having a lot of fun with it. So the combat itself, I think, is pretty good. Everybody's got kind of like standard. It's like you have a standard control setup, but everybody's got slightly different moves, right? So it's like for the first guy, it was like you punch and he like he does like a, a whack with his fist. He's also got like a jump smash. He's also got like a spin smash, kind of like a really mobile kind of a guy, like moves around the battlefield pretty well. The next uh, monster you unlock is more of a ranged guy. So even though you're kind of executing with the same moves, like you're not learning like Street Fighter combos or anything. It's just like, you know, A will do your prime attack. Y will do like your secondary attack. And then A, you know, the other one will jump or something. So once you know how one guy moves, they all move the same way, but the, the but the actual moves they do are different, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so like with the first guy, he'll do a punch, but with the second guy, he'll throw out a little, um, like a little uh, laser energy ball or something. So you kind of get used to them. And I, I appreciate the differences between them. I think it's pretty well done. The second guy felt very different from the first guy. And my initial strategies did not work with the second guy, which is cool. Because then it meant I had to really evaluate what he did. He's like more of like a dodger, long range, you know, charge up kind of a guy. Whereas the first guy is like a get in your face and a bash kind of a guy. So they're not all the same, which I appreciate. Because sometimes these party games, maybe they skin the different characters, but they all ultimately feel the same. That yeah. is not the case here. They feel pretty different here which is great, and that's exactly what I want to see. Um, my only complaint, my only complaint about this so far is that sometimes, I don't even know how to even explain this, there's a certain kind of a, um, a lag when you're doing uh, these kind of moves. So, for example, if I'm playing the first guy, the punchy guy, and I walk up and I want to punch somebody, I initiate the punch, but because of how long it takes and how things are moving, like, you kind of whiff, right? Like, it's kind of almost like you have to, like, anticipate ahead of time where somebody's going to be before you do your punch because when you're going through the punch animation it takes a few seconds for the animation to roll out and so if you try to like if you try to play it like a fast fighting game reaction fighter you're too slow which is okay i guess because you're big kaiju but it doesn't really convey that sense of scale and i don't feel like i'm a large monster i just feel like i'm a monster hmm. um and so you punch and so sometimes I, i'm missing a lot with the melee guys because i feel like i'm having a little bit difficulty um correctly timing the lag it will take for the animation to play out so i can punch the guy where he's at you can rectify that by just mashing but i kind of prefer not to do that if they would just tighten that up a little bit by either making that stuff come out faster or taking the other uh other direction and making everything feel heavier and bigger as if you were a guy in a giant suit that would be fine too and it's fine it's not it's not a huge problem i'm still having a lot of fun but i just noticed that i whiff a lot of punches that i don't think i should whiff or sometimes i'll do a jump smash and by the time i get there the guy's already not there you know, I mean, typical for the genre, but I could, I would feel a little bit, I want it to feel either heavier or tighter, and those are opposites, but I wish one or the other, right? Yeah. Um, it's kind of a weird middle ground. Also, just quick tangent, did you ever play uh, Robot Alchemic Drive on PS2? That doesn't sound familiar, and I played everything? I don't know. We're, we're talking about kaiju monsters and big stuff like this. So Robot Alchemic Drive, I think it was put out by Sandlot back on PS2, early PS2. This was the game that I feel like better than any other game in history captures the large scale of giant monsters and giant robots fighting because you are a human, uh, human scale. The monsters were like as tall as like 20 story buildings. And when you were on the ground controlling your human, you would have to like pan the camera and you'd see these monsters. You would only see like their ankle or their foot, right? Because they're so huge. You had a little jetpack. You could fly up on top of the shoulder of the monster to give him um, advice. You could control the monster with a remote control, but you were still a human, right? So like when you're on the monster's shoulder, 
it's almost like a quote unquote first person view because you're like right next to his head, seeing what the monster sees. Mm -hmm. And so you're controlling him and the punches were like so fucking slow and huge, but it made sense because the monster's fist was like the size of like a bus or something. Right. So like you would throw this punch and you would see this giant punch and you'd like, like imagine being like an ant on a human shoulder. Like that's what it felt like. Right. And so when this giant punch comes out, like you're watching the robot move and the punch is coming out super slow and the laser beams are shooting. And if you get knocked off of your robot, like you fall down like 20 stories, the scale of it was fucking just like so on point, dude. It was so awesome. If anybody loves giant monsters, giant robots, kaiju games, tokusatsu, anything, you got to check out Robot Alchemic Drive. I don't even know where you would even find it other than PS2. I don't know if it's on PC, but that game, fucking brilliant. And I wish that they would like redo that with modern graphics. It'd be fucking tremendous. Yeah, I know anyway. it now. I know it now because I was thinking it's its acronym or whatever is rad, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember seeing rad before, and now I'm looking at screenshots. I definitely played it, and I remember the scale being awesome. Oh um, my god! Yeah, I, it also reminds me of Earth Defense Force. Yes, very similar in vibe. Very you're similar. a character, but you can see these huge other mechs yep. and things like that. So same, I get same the scale. team, same yeah. team. They did uh, they did EDF and uh, RAD. Oh, both. really? Okay. Same team. So they definitely like. They definitely have mastered like the scale and perspective of large, large things, Yeah, which is really great. But I mean, EDF is great and I love Earth Defense Force, but honestly, um, Rad, R.A.D. was like way better for me. And it's so interesting and it's something we don't see very much. I wish they would revive it. I would kill any developers out there listening. Like, please make that game. That would I would just love you forever. Anyway, Gigabash, I think it's great. I think it's really fun. It's really light. It's colorful. You jump in, play a few levels. It's, it's good times. It's probably fun with friends. I didn't play with friends, but I think the single player is definitely worthy like these people understand the genre and they're they're doing it right i, I dig it and check it out and also check it, out. check it out but also the new it says i saw a duck um online uh article that says the new earth De- defense force game is coming to nintendo switch mm. that was written in 2020 though i just wonder I if there if- is one Maybe. And, you know, honestly, Earth Defense Force is such a huge thing. So many monsters on screen, so many big things. I don't really know that I want it on Switch. I think yeah. that I probably would want it on the X or the 5, just so you can get the full surround sound, all the Ps. Yeah, you the know, hugeness of it. 4K. I don't know. Give it 5K. I don't care. Whatever. Just up it. Um, okay, so that was the first Giga Kaiju game. The second one, Giga Apocalypse, is one that you and I both played, right, Carlos? Yep. Interesting that these two games, similar content, similar title, will come out. Also a kaiju game, but radically different in an implementation. This one is a 2D sprite-based game where you pick a monster, you move from left to right. There's a, a series of monsters to choose from. Um, and it's almost like, I want to say it's almost like a clicker or a grinding game uh, where you start with a monster who has like basically no powers. What You have full powers tutorial. Once you get through that, you go back to zero. You have no powers. And then you kind of walk from left to right through these cities, collecting points, collecting energy, whatever, whatever, uh, bashing stuff. And you have to unlock more moves, unlock more uh, like mutations, they call them, unlock more powers, up your stats. You're not going to be strong enough to make it through the first couple times. So you got to like go through, maybe you get through like half a city before you get taken down, but you keep all your points. You go back to square one, spend your points, increase your stats, your life, your defense, your attack, go back to the same city. And after a couple runs, you'll be tough enough to make it through that city. Each city has a boss. They're kind of fun. The first boss is like a monster that forces you to do math, which I thought was really funny. Uh, the second one is like this giant train, uh, which is interesting because you have to move yourself uh, to keep up with the train. But it's kind of like a clicker where a lot of this stuff kind of runs on autopilot. Your monster walks forward. You're, you're, you're keying off attacks like you're punching 
flame breath, uh, you know, shooting projectiles or whatever. But basically, you're kind of just like watching menus, uh, cooldowns, uh, you know, triggering cooldowns when they go, hitting certain powers, leveling up. I mean, it's just kind of like a clicky, grindy game. And it's it's very different from Giga Bash. But honestly, I think it's kind of fun. I think it has a very different vibe than the first one. And I kind of dig just like, like you say often, Carlos, like watching numbers go up and slowly get stronger. Where it's mm. not an RPG, but just... Click, click, click. Okay, I got a new power. And go back. Click, click, click. Okay, now I'm a little bit stronger. Click, click, click. Like, it just, it's that little feeling of like incremental growth, right? Yeah. So, um, I have some more to, to say about it, but I, I am curious to what, see what you think, Carlos. I played on Xbox. You played on PlayStation? PlayStation, yeah. All right. What do you think about uh, Gig Apocalypse? I have some pros and cons, but first off, the summary I would give it is yeah, left to right clicker game. Um, an old school reference is Mission Control, which. I don't know that one. You don't know Mission Control from Atari? I think so. Mission Control? Is it Mission it Control? Am, am I? Oh, Missile Command. I'm an idiot. Oh, Missile, Missile Command. Command. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Missile Command's an old school reference, but it's 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 that style where like you're aiming your cursor at things on the screen. Yes. And you're shooting or fighting in that kind of direction, um, and so that has that, and it also is very reminiscent of um, Rampage. Yes, in terms of style and vibe. Style sure. and vibe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're walking left to right. You're literally seeing little buildings and little people. And some soldiers shooting at you. And so my favorite part of the game and the pro to start with is the style. Cause I actually like I liked Rampage and same, same, same. Yeah. And I like the left to right and I like the I guess the other pro is like, you know, I similar to you, I like getting stronger. It's kind of kind of the yeah, yeah. roguelike wait, wait, wait. element. Quick tangent, quick tangent. Yeah. Did you see the movie Rampage with the rock in it? No, I didn't and I w I won't. That movie actually rocked. It was really, really? good. Really? It was if you like yes, if you like big monsters. If all you care about is seeing big monsters punch each other, that movie well, was dope, too. that's not it what I good. care about. So I, I, I guess what I like about Rampage is, again, the sprite-based style. And okay. I also... Anyway, Rampage was great. Go check out Rampage, people. Um, is because I like seeing the little characters on screen, you know? Like the little humans on the street and yes, little cars yes, they're driving. Tiny. They're like three pixels high. Yeah, I love that style. So that's my favorite part of it, is to kind of left to right, seeing what happens in this weird world as you start destroying things. Big, big fan of that. My biggest con, which I told you on Twitter, which sucks. It's uh, my same con, I'm sure. It's your same con, I'm sure. Yeah. On the console, it doesn't work. It, in my opinion, I want a, I won't ask for a code. Maybe I'll just go buy it on Steam. But it, this game just begs to be played with a mouse. Yes. Um, on the controller, it's just a little clunky because it even makes you pick menu options with a controller. Yes. And I don't like that at all. Um, but I like the gameplay and I like the style and I like upgrading my character and yeah, so there's so many things I like about it. I just don't want to play it on PlayStation. Um, I really just want to use a mouse so badly. Dude, I totally agree. I mean, that, that's exactly really the only con that I have about it, um, is kind of a, a two for con where I think the controls are absolutely not suited to a console, but it's not because the game can't be played on a console. I feel like the developers just simply did not do a good job of porting it. I feel like this could very easily be played with a controller. Uh, but that goes into the second part of my two for con, which is where there's like fuck all tutorial and there's fuck all any like UI that helps quality of life stuff. For example, I picked, I don't know how you picked, but I picked uh, my first monster was like a rock guy, like a guy made of like a, like a living mountain or something like that. Um, and he was cool, but like he had arrow, he had little guys on the mountain. So he had like little humans living on him because he's a mountain. They, they shoot arrows. They can also heal him. He's also got a sword. He also can summon a volcano. So I'm like, okay, cool. That game does not tell you what button does what for anything. And some of it auto auto happens. Like I think, I think now the healing auto happens. I'm not convinced of it though, but it was like, okay, wait, 
am I, I figured out the sword. Okay. I can do the sword. Cause that's a very visible thing happening. But like, I was like, is this button doing the healing? Is it not doing the healing? Wait, is this the arrows button? Which oh, button is yeah. what? And I couldn't tell because sometimes it's auto. Sometimes it's not like, I'm sorry, but like, you got to fucking do your goddamn due diligence. Please do this justice. Make a menu. Show me uh, what the buttons do. In fact, you could put a little prompt on the screen. There's like a little hotkey bar where it shows for my guy sword, um, whatever, like volcano um, punch or something like whatever it is. You could put like a X, Y, B below those. And I would know exactly what they would do. That's great. Every fucking game on earth like does that. It's like there's so many little things that could make this game so playable on a con- controller and on a console. They didn't do any of it. Like, well, no, I mean. It's, it's really frustrating. They're not just the UI parts, but for me, it's like if I could have used right analog to do some aiming. I know. Yes. Are you yes, kidding yes, me? Like yes, that, exactly. I would be like probably still playing this game and not doing the podcast. Yeah, exactly. So, it's really frustrating because I feel like this is, again, you know, we often talk about um, on this show, PC games that are just brought to console, not really adapted to console. And this is the ultimate example of like, I'm sure this game works perfectly on a mouse. It makes perfect sense if it does. On a controller, it does not work. On this, the home console, it does not work. You must do a little bit more. And I get this is probably a small team. Indie game, you know, it's not huge budget. I get it, I get it, I get it. But if you're going to do it, do it right, please. Because otherwise, you have two assholes like us on a podcast bashing it. When I want to be celebrating this game, I like this game in general. It's the UI controls that drag you down for me. But in general, I think the game is great. So now I'm bashing your game instead of celebrating it, right? Right. I wouldn't even call it bashing because I think we've been talking about uh, very positively. It is, it is a great um, game. It's just a shame. I will say this, though. That is something that is a patchable thing. Like, right analog? Yeah, Agreed. it takes a minute Agreed. to work on. I know I've actually had to do it in a game, and it it's not an easy fix. You have to, like, map new things, you know? But it's something they can do. So hopefully, if they listen to this, uh, if, and maybe they're already working on it. I hope so. I right hope so analog? Because, yeah. If not, I'm just going to go and pick it up on Steam because... I, I want to still play it on, on a PC. I'll say one more thing, though. Yeah. The only thing that was a question mark, so I had a pro and a con, and the question mark is not a negative or positive, but it's just like I don't understand why there's a Tamagotchi part of this game. Oh, yeah. I I don't know at all why that's the thing. So are you talking about the pet part, or are you talking yeah, about the how the monster part. reverts back to being a small monster? Well, it reverts back to being a small monster first, and then also you're taking care of it. And I go, what now? Yeah. Um, I mean, even to like, I think it even shits and stuff, right? Like it's, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to do any of those things. I, I just don't do the monster part. So I'm not sure. Maybe that comes into play later on. Uh, no, I think that's just getting back to the low budget nature of the game to clarify what we're talking about folks. Like when you, okay. So I, I hate to get into the weeds on this, but basically you start the game with a full powered monster. So you see what you're going to be like at the end, right? Then you start the game proper, you go back to level one, and when you begin, you look like a little teeny tiny baby monster. That's the Tamagotchi part where he poops, you got to pet him to give him happiness, you got to give him some food. It's all fun. But then when you start um, taking your monster, who is currently a baby, into a level, he looks just like the full big monster. And it threw me for a loop. I'm like, I thought I was going to have a baby monster. So he goes back and forth between big size and baby size. But then the baby size, you're doing the Tamagotchi shit. And then when you're fighting, you're like the big size. So conceptually, it doesn't really make sense. And also, to your point, I kind of agree with you i didn't really see the value in cleaning up monster poop and doing tamagotchi stuff to it so yeah i mean if it was just because you do upgrade it by doing things right like i remember when yeah. you you earn points you and stuff, earn yeah. things for doing it yeah but you could have just done that him he could be fully formed you know yeah, in like a, just, in a cave somewhere and you're like upgrading him i agree um, i agree that part doesn't make sense i i think you're correct on that but it doesn't hurt it because i just jumped to the next level you know 
it's just um, weird. Another it's, weird, yeah, choice. It's a weird choice. Yeah. But overall, though, I still think it's a positive uh, uh, experience, and I like the game. And there's not very many games doing that style. Yes. So I'm like, uh, and also like to the clicker point that you said, like it is something that you. It's pretty addictive. You just want to like go to the next thing and upgrade again. And yes. I love seeing the little people scramble. There's something wrong inside me that enjoys that. <laughs> but like, they're like, oh crap, you know, and like cars are smashing and that stuff is just endlessly fun to me. So it is, it is. So, okay. So let's just really quickly recap Giga Bash, which was the 3D brawler kind of game on PS5. I think that's a win. I think that's pretty cool. And Giga Apocalypse, I think honestly, we both really like it. I do like it, but I think we both have some serious concerns for um ui but specifically controls i i don't think either one of us thinks it works well on a controller and that's fixable so please fix it if you can i would really love to embrace this game i think it's cool and i like the vibe but uh those controls are just just busted man uh and the developer is goody gameworks and i'm just looking it up on steam because you know i i gotta play it on steam with this mouse yeah, yeah. and it's only ten dollars so are you fucking kidding me yeah you know what i'm gonna support you uh there's patch notes there's an update on steam so I'm going to, I'll probably pick it up on. Steam. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, just to be really brutally honest here, um, my guess, my gut feeling without knowing anything else about these, these people or their development studio or anything, I'm guessing this game will get patched. I'm guessing it'll get balanced and retweaked. And I would be surprised if very much of that came to console. So you're probably going to have to go to PC to get the optimal experience. So yep. I don't know that I see. And that's the, that's the rub, right? Because I want to play this game. This is the kind of game that I'm in the mood for right now, but I want to play that like, on my couch or even better on my switch in bed. I don't want to be at my PC to play this kind of game. So I probably won't, but if they do fix it on console, I'll definitely will play some more. Cause I think it's, I think it's great. You just made a couple big mistakes there. Yeah. All right. All right. Moving on to something that I am very, very, very curious about. Uh, and you are about to satisfy the curiosity sword and fairy together, a brand new, Gosh, I don't even know what kind of game it is. I know it's from China, and I know there's a lot of people who are very excited about it, and I've seen pictures of it. But honestly, uh, like we said at the top of the show, busy week. I haven't really had time to look into it, but you have. And all I've heard from you is like cheers and glowing energy and a lot of love. It seems like this is a winner, huh? Yeah, it's uh, Sword and Fairy 7 Together Forever. Oh, um, 7. Jeez, it's, okay. it's 7 here in the States. We only got, I think, two, a couple games in the States. Most of them are in China and... Um, Asia. So here's the thing. Uh, it's an RPG, just a straight up an RPG. So that's, Is it? I thought it was more of an action game. It's an RPG? No, it's an RPG. Straight up RPG. Ooh, ooh. Um, the difference is in the past, even Sword and Fairy 6, 6 kind of adapted a Final Fantasy, which I'll come back to in a minute, style of combat, which is, you know, a mixture of action, uh, real time and, and turn based in a way. Uh, what was the one that did that? 13, I think. Where like you picked which enemies you were attacking, but twelve, it, twelve, yeah, yeah. I think it had that style, and then before that, they were all turn-based RPGs. Um, the difference is, and I'll try to to say this as eloquent as I can. I feel like I'm gonna fail, but the difference is obviously it's the culture and the Chinese mythology, and by doing, you know, by creating a game an RPG in this setting, you're just gonna get a different natural way that the RPG is going to roll out. Like it's not going to be a Western RPG. It's not going to be a JRPG, which has certain styles that we all know, you know, I uh, was just going to ask you to clarify. So in terms of RPG, that's pretty broad. Are we talking about like an action RPG, kind of like a Tales sort of thing? Or are we well, talking now we are. Or? Now okay. we are. So Together Forever is their first full action RPG. Okay. So like an actual real time overworld, like combos kind of a thing we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, everything that you would think of, just think of Final Fantasy 15, 
No. Okay. And if you haven't played that, then you would think of oh, any uh, Trails of Mana. Trails. What trails I love, games. right? Okay. okay. Gotcha. Um, or Trials of Mana. I'm sorry. Uh, the, not the Trails games at all. Those those not games are turn based. Yeah. What, um, uh, any the, action uh, RPG you could think of. Any. The, what about the Tales games? Those teams. Tales games. Tales, Tales of Asteria. Of Tales, Destin- of... Tales of Asteria. Yeah. Yeah. They. Ha- yeah. The new one that I played. Yeah. Tales games. Okay. Tales games. Okay, yeah. Got it. Uh, and then also Trial of Mana, though. Trial of Mana is that one that Trials I Trials and Tales, yeah. yes. But not Trails. <laughs> Anyways, we are mixing the message here. Jesus. The point RPGs is it's are complicated action place. RPG, and it is you know very story-based and sort, very lot of dialogue. Now, all of it's still in um, just translated, so everything's translated and uh, subtitled, right? Chinese vocals. Chinese vocals. So it's like you're just dealing with Mandarin and, like, um, I believe it's all Mandarin. And you're just reading if you're in the States, uh, like us. But the point is, you're definitely going to be reading a lot because these games are definitely about the story and dialogue. Now, what makes it really amazing, and I'll get to the gameplay in a minute, but why I love it and why I've been glowing reviews about it is, like I said earlier, there's a Western RPG style, there's a JRPG style. We know those. There's even like, you know, The Witcher, which brings like the different Eastern uh, European, yeah. Yeah, Eastern European kind of myths and stuff. So this is one that I haven't experienced much, which is Chinese. And uh, also like Taiwan. It's kind of a mixture of, of, of styles. Um, and it's just like you get a understanding of different Chinese culture and different Chinese mythology, like to the monsters and the beasts that, you know, might be familiar to them, but isn't familiar to us. And also a different way of dealing with monsters, because there's like a lot of monsters in this game that you just straight up talk to. Right, like okay. so, you might meet this huge like um, lion beast, and you've got to tame him, and of course have a huge battle with him first. But then after you battle with him, like he talks to you. Like of course, you know they're both talking in Mandarin. You know, sure, talk. sure. But like you're having a conversation with these monsters. It's not like just straightforward kill it or whatever. Um, and so, and then the, you, you talk about reverence, the way that the game just like explains cultural reverence and like how you deal with your master like so you play as many characters in this and i'll get to it in a minute but the way the different characters talk to each other and you know the the master you talk to different with respect or you know the the different outsider of the village you're going to think of them differently so it's just like a really open your eyes moment to i think westerners to just how like life can be right i know that's a really big huge statement but it no, really is perfect i mean i think you explain it really well i mean i totally get what you're saying like that's one of the things i really value about playing games from other countries is you see different approach different perspective different attitude different ways of solving problems different different definitions of problems really so right, right. i think that sounds amazing i do want to clarify though so one thing that i traditionally have had a problem with uh personally when i play games that are from china or japan and they have kind of a i know this is fantasy not a historical band but like Sometimes I get really overwhelmed by not because I'm not familiar with those those things that are probably very familiar to them. Right. Like they're they know their own culture more than I do because it's not my culture. And that's totally fine. But like sometimes they'll, I feel like I drown in a lot of names and places and sometimes I get kind of lost in that. Like, is it is it very like verbose in that way? Are you often wondering, like, wait, who is that or or what was what are you talking about? Like, do you get lost that way or do they handle it like pretty well? It's interesting. So I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to explain this part of it and then we'll get into the actual gameplay itself. Okay. So. It, it, there's tons of stuff and it really goes around the idea of how far do you want to go into what they're explaining to you. Now, some of the cutscenes are super long, right? Super okay. long. Like a half an hour? No, but you know, 
It, not, it, not Kojima length. No, no, no. But it's more times than not, right? So like you just finished with one, but you go to a new section, you're learning more of the story. You go to okay. a new section, you're learning some more. It's not, you're not fighting right away, you know? You might jump away from the area that you need to go to next and fight some monsters if you want to like level grind. But to the point is the main stuff, main storyline, if you don't do side missions, which there's tons, you don't have to get too much of that information that you're talking about. Like you can be inundated with it during the storyline, the mainline thing, but then it's over and now yeah, you're doing, you know, the huge map or something. So it, I just feel like the short answer is there's a lot more if you do the side missions and there's, I think, just enough if you're doing the mainline missions. It's not going to overwhelm you. doesn't feel overwhelming. No, okay. it really doesn't. It's like it kind of opens up the door to, hey, do you want to learn about this interesting myth or monster or creature? Then go. you can like go to the books and read books, right? Like uh, gotcha. Skyrim and all that stuff, right? Or you can go to these, talk to these characters. You can talk to so many NPCs, and they'll give you a whole bunch of story. Or you don't have to. So I think they do a really good job of like following the mainline if you want to. It's pretty straightforward of where you're supposed to go. It's like, okay, now we're doing this. This big moment happened, cut scenes. Now let's go do this. So for me, because I enjoy this world so much, I'm just doing all the side missions and I'm inundated, but like I love it. And I actually just got a very rare trophy. I don't usually care about those, but it was called like, you are a very nice person or something <laughs> because I've literally done like I think every side mission I can uh, up until this point. So so let's talk about the game for a minute. So you start, and what the main story of the game is, is you do have a cast of characters. I generally like playing one character in an RPG, but this one makes sense to play four or five different people. You rotate through them, you mean? Like you rotate will? through them, and but here's how it works. So in the beginning of the game, you start as a deity. Uh, the deity you know, looks like a man. Uh, there's a lot of th that in Chinese mythology, too. So there's a bunch of deities. They look like men, but they have you know crazy powers. And you, as a tutorial... You play as this guy, and he's a deity, and you're like running from this all these monsters and learning combat, and it's just showing you all the moves. Uh, great, I you know the very very comfortable thing where you hit right trigger on PlayStation and you pick another button, you know that's mapped to do special moves that style. It, gotcha. it just works really well. Double jumping, rolling, dodging, attacking combos, all of it. So you kind of learn it with this deity. And then you go back to Earth because there's a story the deity falls to Earth because of reasons and demons, and I won't you know, go into it too much here. But then you really start the story, and the main game is playing as this woman who's in a small town. And she's kind of like a master as well, like you know, kung fu as well as like um, special magical abilities. And she's learning from her master, and you meet this deity, and that you and the deity become connected in some way, which is a sp story spoiler, I won't say. And... You basically is it, is it sex, Carlos. It isn't. It isn't. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, I am going to tell you because it kind of alludes to the style that this game is. Okay. You real quick, and this is going to be a long review. Well, okay. Not a full review. Not a full review. Not, not a, full a review. review yet. But um, you find an apple as the girl, and that now you're in the story part of you playing the woman, and she finds this apple. It's magical, and she like goes to bite it, but she doesn't. I think she bites it just a little bit, and says <laughs> she shouldn't bite it because it's weird and a glowing apple. And then later on, you meet the deity, who you controlled earlier in the game, and the deity has a scar in his neck because the deity was the apple. Ah. And now you two are connected because you bit it, and that's a whole little other side story on why that happened. But these are the things. Again, like I've never played a game where I bit an apple, but now I'm connected to the person because he's also a god. 
I, I can I can honestly say I don't think I've ever done that either. Never done that. But it all makes sense. I don't know why, but everything just feels good. And as you play the game, mainly I, I pick the girl. Uh, that's the main character you're playing. But as you find new people, you know, in combat, similar to Final Fantasy, you can switch between them. I usually pick one person, but you can. And then also, um, in certain sections of the game, they just make you be certain characters. Now, I don't gotcha. know how many games do that, but um, if they do it well and it makes sense, it's it, it works. Like, there's a stealth sure. section, you know? It can be cool. It can be cool. It can be cool. And they do it really well. Like, like there's this one um, monastery somewhere, and the girl is the only one allowed in because it's a girl's monastery, you know? Sure, sure. Like she, and she's like, I have to go, guys. You guys can't come in with me. And so you're controlling her now. So all of the story things make sense on why you have to be different characters. Sure. And yeah, they're all be fun a neat to mechanic. play. Yeah, I mean, neat, neat, neat mechanic when it's done well because not only do you get variety, but also maybe it introduces you to a character that for whatever reason you haven't used very much. 100%. You, start, you get forced to use them, and you're like, oh, actually, you're pretty cool because I didn't realize you did X, Y, Z. Or, oh, you have this ability or quality that I didn't know about. So it's, it's a smart thing when you do it well. Yeah, I'd never played this one character who was just range because I'm always melee. And sure. it was super fun. And like I learned all his moves. Um, and then the other thing is every once in a while, this game will throw in just like random type gameplay. Like, so I, we were falling down a hill. It was really slippery and it turned into like that snowboarding style of a game. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and that just worked. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that just works. Similar to what was that game we just played with the 2D game where I was like, oh, now they added this and it works. Oh, yeah. You're talking about that game that had the really weird, um, the w- weird title that we couldn't remember. And it was a strange. Yes. The, yeah. The one from China too, the two D pixely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that yeah, thing yeah. where it's like they're just introducing new mechanics. So yes, uh, I'll say also real quickly about the combat. You know me, I love my action combat. Um, the dodges are some of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, and I want to underline the word beautiful. So I'm playing most of the time as the woman character. I'm not going to butcher her name because I'm going to just mess it up. So just look it up because I will mess it up. Um, but her dodging. And I've seen this in another review. It's like dancing. It's like they must have studied ballet and contemporary dance. I think one other game did that. Remember that artsy game that did dancing as a mechanic? Um, yeah, it was like a, a an indie on the PlayStation. Yeah. Bound. Bound is yes, what it was yes. called. It's got that vibe where like it feels so fun to dodge. Like, especially as the main character. And then even other characters float away in a different way. But I mean, she's doing acrobatics. And it just feels groovy, man. Um, yeah, I always say about I love a dodge roll, but these are like dodge dance moves. Dodge dance moves. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Okay, so cool. it's really fun. So, anyways, the whole thing is fucking fun. Like the combat can't be any more fun. Like I just, it's so relaxing and fun, and they just knocked it out of the park. Also, this game is fucking beautiful. Like on a PS5, I, this is probably I went back and looked at all their games. It's definitely the the coolest looking version of this games. Um, and so, yeah, I think all those things together, it's just, I'm glued to it. I was very, very lucky to get a code. Thank you very much for purposes of talking about this show, which we're doing now. Hey, I did a break. Hey, And nice. the review isn't happening yet. I think it'll be next episode. Next week for our official So Video Games official review. Review. Um, but right now, as I'm, yeah, I'm addicted to this game. And I just want more people to check it out. Hopefully they will by hearing it here. Um, again, they had... I mentioned, I think, 20-something games. They have a lot of offshoot games. They had six mainline games. Uh, and I think we only got a couple. But even the ones we got aren't really uh, a good example because this is the first full action one. 
Right. So this is this seems like the best place to get in. This on is it. the perfect place to get in on the series. And I mean, I just want Sword and Fury eight immediately because I'm gonna, yeah, I'm just I'm hook, line, and sinker to this style. Right on. Um, right on. Well, that sounds like a complete win to me. Complete win. Also, there's a card game. Oh jeez. Yeah, there, if you want to play that. <laughs> there's Gwent. There's Chinese Gwent. It, it's it's its own thing, um, and it's fun. And uh, I will say one con. I got to give it one con. Okay, one con. And it's the biggest con for me. Okay. It's it's a little buggy here and there. Uh, okay. I don't know. They came hot off the presses. I don't know what happened. But there's some bugs, cutscene bugs, whatever. The biggest bug, though, and I'm so mad, and hopefully maybe they listen to this review. They let me know when the, when the patch is coming. Um, at some point, you can pick different outfits for the characters, mm-hmm. and they all have uh, an equivalent that's a modern outfit, mm-hmm. which looks kind of out of place because it's like regular modern, right? Like jeans or something you know like oh gosh nice it doesn't fit the theme yeah and so i don't want that and so in the very beginning of the game i i love the the, the kind of outfit dress that she had on i switched to the modern one just to see what it would look like it won't switch back oh no you're stuck with a costume you don't like yeah she's got like shorts on i don't want uh, her to or like it's can like you a just skirt. switch to the costume you can't switch them it's a bug nothing else uh, it's a bug geez. So this is my plea to you, developers. I love you. I love your game. I'm addicted. Please let me switch back to the oh, cool flowing costume she had. What a bummer. And in They'll the, cu- the cutscenes, yeah, they will. In the cutscenes, she's wearing it, right? But it's just that it goes back to the gameplay. She's got this skirt on and this shirt. Okay. Anyway, All right. Other than anyway. that, oh, my goodness, Sword and Fairy. I can't wait for the full review. I'll give it to you next time, but... It's just awesome, man. Sword and fairy together forever. Sounds like a win. Excellent, excellent. Uh, one more official game uh, in this section here before we go. I'm going to be talking about South of the Circle right now. Um, boy, this is a very interesting game. I don't quite know what to make of it. It's definitely a narrative-heavy thing. And if I tell you what it's about, you're going to be like, what? It's about a guy who is at Cambridge College who studies clouds and wants to go visit antarctica and his plane crashes what that's that's entirely what it's about it's about this researcher but uh, so okay so let me back up a little bit it's a narrative game uh no action you're just like listening to a lot of people talking and doing choices Uh, so it's like a narrative kind of a choice game um the presentation is is great it's very simple in terms of how they illustrate it it almost looks like I mean, I don't want to say construction paper because it's not quite that, but like everybody's made of very simple shapes. Um, there's not a lot of detail, but I feel like it's awesome that way. Like, I feel like it's perfect. Um, colors are kind of muted, but in a good way. Everything is kind of really clear and easy to see and kind of basic. It looks very much like um, some kind of like avant-garde animation that you might go to like a like a film festival and watch the animation section. And that's kind of what this would look like. Mm. Um, the mo- people moving around is great. The graphics are very calm and like when you look at it, like it doesn't really look like anything else. It's got a great, great art style to it. I feel like it's very classy, if that makes any sense. Um, you have to look at it, but seeing it like you're like, yeah, OK, this is like a smart person's game. This feels like very um, masterpiece theater to me or something. Cool, interesting. Um, very. Yeah. It's like it's like you play it and you're like, oh, yeah, man, I'm like uh, I'm learning something. This is this is highbrow. Like it's it's it's, it's got a mood and it rolls with it and it works. Um, so. The game starts out basically two guys in a plane, they crash. Uh, this is not a spoiler. It's like literally the first five seconds of the game. You crash in Antarctica. One, the pilot's hurt. He can't move. So you are the mobile person. You got to go get help. And he's like, bro, there's a station. 
not too far. Please get to the station, send help, come back for me. You're like, cool, cool, cool. And then you take off walking through the snow. It's a pretty cool sequence. Um, as you walk through the snow, you finally get to the station. Um, I'm not going to say too much about the story because, you know, obviously the story games all about the story, but you get to the station. And the, the funny thing that happens is as you're walking, you'll look at something, um, a shadow or a light or uh, a building or something. And then you will be instantly transported to earlier in this guy's life. So it's like a, a two parallel storylines. One, he's in the Antarctic trying to get help for his friend who's stuck in the plane. Two, he's back at Cambridge before this all happened. And he's like in college and he's like talking to this lady. And he's trying to like be friends with his lady, trying to get a romance going. And they're kind of going through um, political struggles. I think this is like... I mean, Cold War era, early, early Cold Era. I'm thinking like 60s. I could be wrong. 60s era England, Cambridge College. Everybody's wearing like the suits with the little um, elbow pads on mm -hmm. them because you're a smart guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Smart guy jacket, whatever that's called. Um, so it's kind of like he'll go back and forth. He'll talk to somebody at Cambridge College. His professor will come in and he'll be like, tut, tut, cheerio, where's that paper? Like all English people talk. Exactly. And then... He'll go and then you'll give him the paper and then you'll be back in Antarctica slogging through whatever. So I, I feel like this approach is cool. I feel like it's a winning approach. I love the art, the vocal performances, 10 out of 10. I mean, and that's not a review. I'm just saying that's a great vocal performance quality. Um, to be clear, this is not an official review of this game. Uh, the vocal performances are all, they feel professional. They feel very well done. Every character is just great. Like delivery is awesome. So there's no problem with getting immersed in the conversations and stuff. Um, so that is all well and good. It feels like a very interesting story. They're trying to tell in a very highbrow intellectual sort of way, which is great. So where are the problems? Here's the problems. Um, and maybe they're not problems. I haven't finished the game yet, but when you get to a choice, uh, not, it's that abstract kind of thing where they don't tell you exactly what you're going to say, which bugs me. So like, let's say, for example, you uh, one of the first things is you're on a train in, in the part B of the story. A uh, pretty lady sits down across from you in the booth and above your head, there's a square, a little red dot and that's shaking and then like a blue circle. And the game tells you what these things are like you can go to menu and it's like, oh, square means stoic, forthright and brave. And the red dot is fearful unsure and um unconfident or something and then the like the blue circle will be cheery upbeat and happy or yeah. something that's all you get right that's all you know and so when something pops up it'll be like square circle red dot and i'm like okay well i don't quite know how to interpret this because developers you may think this is very clear and i'm sure it is in your head i am not in your head and my personal lived experience is different than yours. My interpretation is different than yours. And a lot of times I'm picking something and it's not what I thought it was. So, for example, we go to we talk to this lady and I'm trying to be um, like positive and I'm trying to think of like, why would I ever pick anything bad? Like, I don't know what the use case is for picking something where you're panicking or where you're scared. So I never pick those. So, number one, that's a failure because there needs to be some reason to get me to pick the other choices. Otherwise, I'm going to pick like upbeat and positive the whole time. Yeah. Um, so then I pick one and then he'll say something that I think is like not what I thought. So, for example, she's like, oh, um, something, something. I'm a college professor, too. What do you think about that? And I pick the square because I'm trying to be solid and forthright. And he comes off like a douche. He's like, oh, well, you know, yeah, you got to earn that position or something. And I'm like, whoa, uh... that's not what I meant to say. Um, so I, I often get results that are not exactly what I thought they were, which bugs me. 
and I also don't often understand why there are negative responses. Like, um, one of them is like a panic response. And I'm like, why would I ever, why would I panic? What's the value in panicking? I'm not saying there isn't a value, but if there is, I don't know what it is. And in general, based on my personal life experience, panicking is never a good thing. So I would never pick the panic response. That means I'm never going to pick like 30% of the possible responses. And the other one is like negative or whatever. I'm probably never going to pick that one because what's the value of it? I don't know. Yeah. So it's a problem. Um, the other problem, which may or may not be a problem is that I honestly don't feel like the choices matter. Um, so in addition to me feeling like I'm saying the wrong thing, which happens a lot, um, I kind of feel like my gut is telling me we're on a track and it doesn't really matter what track I choose. I haven't seen anything in the game that tells me there is story divergence. I haven't seen anything where, uh, you know, for example, choose path A or path B. Like it's all been very proscribed and set. So like no matter what I choose, it's usually just little things like cheery, upbeat or sad and depressed. But like I still do the thing. Right. And a lot of times, which is really strange to me, there's not even a choice. Like they just give you. The only thing you can do is panic, so I have to push that. The only thing you can do is be is be upbeat, so I have to push that. It's like, why do you have choices if there's not going to be a choice? Like, me pushing the button to answer is not a choice in itself, other than simply, like, not pushing the button, which is weird. Okay, can I jump so, in? Can I jump yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, you're asking all these questions I think I know the answer to. Okay, let's do it. Because I but look, checked out some reviews from this a while ago. And by the way, this is um, this was one of the first Apple Arcade games. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Right, which makes a lot of sense. And yes. now I know why why it is like it is. So why the the UI is the way it is, right, in the gameplay. Yeah. Focused on phones and tablets. Also, yeah. uh, what I hear from reviews is this is just a narrative game yeah. that's yeah. just the narrative, and it isn't about decision. So right. it's more like the experience of doing something while you're watching something. Right. And I think if you paint it in that picture or are in the mood for that, it works. But yeah, this isn't a choice game. I think this is just kind of like a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, that's kind of what I mean about like it being very prescribed and I don't really think the, the, the choices matter. And it's interesting because as I'm watching this, I mean, it's very pleasant. I love the vocal performances. I think going back and forth between Antarctic and Cambridge is interesting. I kind of want to see where it goes. But it's like, I, I almost feel like I would have been better off just having this be a 30-minute animated film and I would have just watched it. Right, I think that's right. kind of what it would be better as because if you're going to wrap it up as a game, then I kind of want more from the game side. And it's not delivering, not to say that it's a bad thing, but like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of choice games, there's a lot of narrative games, there's a lot of competition in this field. And I kind of feel like it's just like a little, like a short film basically, uh, which takes away from, you know, the game game part of it. So, but I, I do think it's cool. It looks great. It sounds great. It's very interesting if you don't mind like a masterpiece theater sort of approach to things, which I don't. I think that's okay. Um, it definitely doesn't look like anything else out there. It's got its own little space it's carving out. But I will say it does feel like I'm just watching it most of the time. Um, so that's fine if you know that going into it. I didn't know that going into it, so I guess I was expecting a little bit more. Um, but that's what it is. I'm going to finish it. I think it's only like an hour too long, maybe three hours long, kind of depending. I hear it's pretty short. Uh, and I'll get through it and I'll see what happens because I do want to I do want to see how it wraps up. I have heard one of my friends who played this said, brace yourself because the ending fucking sucks. So oh. we'll see. I don't know that that's true. Maybe we'll disagree. I don't know. But I think it's a very interesting high class thing. I wouldn't mind seeing more games like this. Uh, but just just be aware. It's more of a watcher than a doer. And, you know, if that works, great. If it doesn't work, then just heads up. on. Yeah. That. If you're in the mood for like a short indie film, that's yeah, what I feel yeah. like it is. Exactly. I think that's very well said, sir. If you're in the mood for a short indie film where you push a button once in a while, 
this is that thing, and I think it'll fit that bill very perfectly. So that is south of the circle. Playing it on Xbox. I believe it's on everything, I think. So there we go. That is the end of our games content, shortest games content ever. Um, before we... Before we go, 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 I do want to give a quick shout out to people who retweeted the show last week. Thank you very much. I really appreciate all of the shares and likes and comments we get. Um, so big, big shout out to Baller Swag Sword and Nazumi Yujo on Twitter. Thank you very much for retweeting our show. Every little bit helps. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, um, that is the end of the show. One last thing before we go. Um, I watched a new movie, Carlos. It's called Prey. I ran to Twitter as fast as I could and I said, Carlos, you got to watch Prey too. Did you watch Prey, P R E Y, now streaming on Hulu? Yes. Um, I think, I don't think, I don't know if I told you about it, but I knew about it before it came out because I've been following it for a while. Um, okay. I didn't know about it, but as soon as I saw it, I'm like, first thing, yeah. my head, Carlos. And it's it, it, when I first saw it, of course, I thought of the original Prey video game. Yes. Uh, which is also a Native American protagonist. Ironic, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I have a lot of info on this game. I don't know if you want to start it off or I do, but I did see it, but waiting for it for a while. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, loved it. I recommend it to everybody, but do you want me to talk about it? Or you don't want to talk about Let it. Let me give the capsule and you go into the deep. Dive. Okay. You can give the thing. So basically if, if anybody doesn't know, prey is kind of a playoff of, uh, predator and prey, because this is a sequel to the film predator. Uh, so predator prey, get it. Um, this is one that's set in, I want to say, 1600s in North America. And we follow a tribe of indigenous people. At the same time, a predator arrives from outer space to go on his hunting trip. I mean, I'm, I feel like predator is pretty well known. I think a lot of people listening to the show probably know who the predator is. Um, but, you know, one of the staples of sci-fi moviedom. I mean, I think, you know, predator is huge. Anyway, it's about this uh, tribe of indigenous people. The main character is, I want to say Amber Midthunder is her name. Is that right? I'm looking it up now. I, don't, I forgot. I think it's that. Amber Midthunder. I saw her in a couple of the movies. She's great. Yes, she does a yeah. wonderful job in this wonderful actress. Um, and she is the protagonist. They, you know, they fight the predator. I'm not going to get into the whole details, but it's about that. Like, so predator battling indigenous people, uh, that's fucking awesome as far, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, spoiler, I thought this movie was dope, but I want to hear your take, Carlos, because I thought of this. I know you're always hungry for more indigenous representation. And I'm like, dude, here you go. It couldn't be more indigenous than this. Carlos, what was your take on Prey? Yeah. And before let's follow up on that, uh, Amber, she, um, is it Amber? Yeah. I feel like it's Amber, Amber Midthunder. Mid yeah. Yeah. She was in Legion. That's where I recognize her from. Uh, Legion is one of my favorite shows ever. Uh, and she's, she's in tons of stuff. Holy crap, dude. Her IMDb is nuts. Uh, just, you know, a lot smaller parts, but she's even, was it even in Longmire a long time ago? She's uh, a great actress. I really like her work. Roswell, New Mexico is a series I don't know about, but she's in that. Yeah. Um, yep. Anyway, so she's amazing. Um, and so some real quick backstory. So I got to meet some of the guys from Totally Rad Show, which is one of my favorite online shows back in the day. I don't think you've ever watched it i'm guessing but i don't think i've even heard of it yeah so danny uh was one of the three guys i know jeff and alex as well um people go youtube it it's it was one of my favorite shows um so i that's how i know danny i would always know him as danny but his name is dan trachtenberg and he's the director of this movie uh, as well as obviously uh bigger movies do you know which ones he's done um, the name sounds familiar now that you're saying his last name, but I don't know. No, what he other, did what uh, other Ten Cloverfield said? Lane? Oh, okay, which sure, was I've one seen of that. the bigger sure. ones, yeah, and yep. um, uh, a couple of things he worked on Black Mirror as well, and I think. Oh, okay. But so, anyways, I've always known him as like the nerdy guy who talks about nerdy stuff on on YouTube, you know. 
Uh, and, um, and again, I got to meet some of them down there. But yeah, it's super cool to watch his career turn into this awesome director. And this is just a spectacle, like done really well. Um, and yeah, being native, just seeing any movies with native heroes <laughs> in it. And like, they're the hero in some way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Also to get to see the natives like fight well was really cool. Like, oh yeah, they're badasses. They're dude. badasses. And this is like a predator. This is like an alien who can like destroy anybody. Uh, and to see them fight it, even like the simple guys in the beginning, this is not a spoiler, but like a couple like regular just native warriors like take it on. And they do okay. You know I, mean, what I mean that totally, dude, totally. Like the random the random Schmo indigenous people are doing pretty well against the yeah. predator, which in itself is pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. Like they got it, like you know, they made it bleed and something. Like, like, like okay. multiple times, dude. Yeah. Like for sure. Yeah. So that's my favorite part is to see like, you know, native representation also of like badassery. And of course, this woman protagonist, she's just awesome. And you root for her for the beginning. You know, you're like, oh, no one believes in her. And so now she's gonna go prove everybody wrong. It just does a really good job of showcasing the the landscape of the natives and, and kind of the little system and tribe. Oh yeah. Um, and the kind of like I got a little choked up at the end without saying it because of like, you know, the custom of like when someone comes back yeah. from a hunt. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's done so well and it made me feel like Oh yeah, if I was born at a different time with my native roots, I would have done one of those ceremonies. You would have been in that thing doing that yeah. stuff, man. Um, yeah. So it, it felt to me, you know, having native in me, like in my roots, like a, a different kind of, of feeling. But yeah, just done like storytelling, done really well. Of other fun fact, when I first saw the trailer, I didn't know it was a predator movie. I just thought it was like a scary monster movie because he oh, he's done gotcha. those, you know. I think um, the only hint was that they used the same font for a while. I don't think they really said anything, but if you saw the font, uh, okay. it's the same font as the very first Predator title. And if you if you knew that, then you knew. But like, I think that's all they said for a while was just the same font. Yeah, because the teaser has like you see something floating, like uh, like taking a bear and floating it up in the air. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it doesn't show what, and you're like, oh, right. what kind of monster is that? But weirdly enough, it doesn't it doesn't take away at all, right, from this being a monster movie. It's still about like this thing that they don't understand. And I think that's what makes it great and different from a Predator movie because it's really about these Native Americans who are in this interesting environment where they, you know, think they have it all figured out when it comes to hunting, you know, because yeah. the whole movie is about like hunting and gathering and and she should be the healer and she wants to be a hunter. But it's actually about like the unknown and having them see the unknown through their eyes, which is a different, you know, way to uh, to do a movie. So yeah, I, I just thought yeah. it was freaking awesome. I love the ending. No spoiler. <laughs> Did um, you watch all the way to the very end of the credits? Oh, maybe I missed something then. You mi- you definitely missed something, dude, if you didn't watch all the way. I'm not gonna, got, well, we it's on Hulu, it so I'll just skip ahead and look at it. Yeah, skip to the very end of the credits because there's definitely like uh, – it's kind of like an inside baseball Easter egg. I can, I'll can i tell you after the show because I don't think anybody wants to be spoiled on it. But you got to watch all the way to the end. There's a little thing where you're like, oh, at the very, very end of it. So definitely watch at the end. Oh. I thought this movie was fucking dope, dude. I mean, there's a number of Predator movies. I I feel like the common consensus is this is the second best Predator movie ever, and I feel like I'm on board with that. Um, the first Predator is kind of like an iconic sci-fi staple, kind of hard to top that because it set the tone for so many films to come after. I mean, like truly seminal in every sense of the word. Uh, but man, this was fucking good. It is definitely my second favorite Predator film. And I feel like it's excellent. I love Amber Midthunder. She's so good. I love seeing those indigenous guys like kick ass. And it was so great. Like the fight scenes were so great. And just everybody got into it. And 
Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of indigenous people died, but, you know, it's the predator. He's got to kill a bunch of guys. Otherwise, he's not the predator. He's just like the alien or well, the guy. And like we yeah. said, a lot of them lasted a long time. They did. That <laughs> was the, I mean? that was a great thing, right? They're fighting. They had some group shots where they were fighting and even the one-on-one stuff. Like, they they were good, man. They were, uh, you know, most white guys, when you see a predator film, they just get a bullet in the head, they fall over. And these guys were like stabbing him and cutting him. And, right. That's what I, mean, I remember was, from yeah, those exactly. movies. It's like I yeah. see soldier guys go in and they all just could die one by one, you know? Totally. And I was Cut like, oh, no wait, problem. that's not going to happen this time. Because yeah, yeah. this is their territory, you know? It was awesome. I think the approach to the Predator was really cool. Um, had some cool new tech. I think that the way they illustrated, like, the Predator mythos was pretty good. I really liked that a lot. And it was a beautiful film. I mean, I feel like the, the landscaping and the cinematography is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, it's just great. I don't have any cons, really. I think it's just, like, an awesome movie all the way through. You can enjoy it on its own. But I think it's also awesome if you already know the Predator stuff. Because there's a lot of little eggs, Easter eggs and, and shout-outs in there if you know that stuff. But... Great movie on its own. I think it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, you don't need to have seen any of the films. It's no, just it's about no. like this monster that happens to show up. It happens to be a predator, but if you didn't know, yeah. it didn't matter. Exactly. Man, biggest surprise though, like I saw a commercial for this and you know, it was like coming to theaters now or something. I'm like, oh whatever, I'll see it. And then like the next day, oh, it's on Hulu. I'm like, what? The brand new theatrical big budget sci-fi movie and it's on Hulu? Like, oh I, I was like, it's gotta be a mistake. And I checked it out, and there it was. That, to me, was the biggest surprise, because I was thinking, oh, it's going to be the theater. I'm not going to go. I'll have to wait, like, three months before I can download it or whatever. And, like, boom, it was, like, right there. I was, yeah. I was very shocked. So, um, Keeping with that theme real quick, uh, Indigenous. Um, yes. So my favorite show on television, I get what people say on television, because it's all streaming, but um, know, right? is Reservation Dogs, and that's back mm-hmm. for season two right now. And I just want to give a quick shout-out, because – Two things. One, it's just awesome to see representation. And um, actually, I have two things to say about it. It's just awesome, right? <laughs> it's an incredible show. Sterling uh, is the director on it. And I just, I love it to death. And and again, being Native, it just feels awesome to see um, people that not just only look like me, but like have that kind of culture and, and have been represented on yeah. television. But secondly, it's funny. It's like a drama with comedy, you know? Um it has Atlanta vibes at times where the fact that it's like, it can get some, some serious shit, but it also can like, you know, come out of that with some comedy too. Um, and also, yeah, in general, I think this season, it feels like almost like mini episodes, you know, or mini like stories within yeah, each yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, well, what, what are your thoughts before I go into a couple other things? Oh, nothing. I mean, I, I've heard nothing but good things about, um, uh, reservation dogs it's it's really high on my list and i think that actually once we wrap up the shows we're watching now i think we are going to pivot into that so i'm gonna i haven't seen anything of it but it's on my list the whole family's ready to go we just need to wrap up a couple things but i'm very excited to watch it okay yeah i just i just really love the fact that like i don't know i just feel like um the thing i was going to say which is a tangent is that some of the kids in the show were on jimmy fallon recently mm-hmm. and it reminded me of yeah i wouldn't feel comfortable if i didn't say this you know, remember when Trump was on Jimmy Fallon and Ugh, he, yes. he didn't do anything about it to give context if you didn't see it. He did. He could have like I know his show is supposed to be just fun. But when you have a stage and a platform like that and big pinnacle moments happen in the world, sometimes there's a responsibility. And I agree. All I he agree. did was just ruffle his hair and, and make it a big joke. And there's a time and place for the jokes like Mad Lib Theater and all the stuff you do on the show. But when you have certain people on, you, you know, it's your responsibility to do an actual interview. 
So the same thing happened, unfortunately, with the kids from Reservation Dogs. Oh, no. Was yeah. it just like stupid throwaway puff piece? Well, here's the – and I'm just going to give this specific thing is they were on they, – they've never been on a talk show. They're kind of nervous, right? So it shouldn't be on them to like – you know, nail the conversation. No, you got handlers, you got PR people, you got, you know, producers, you got vetters, all that stuff. Yeah. But the point is that Jimmy, you know, didn't know what to say. He was being so safe about indigenous and native and stuff like that. He just, I don't know if he, he said the word probably ever, maybe mm-hmm. he did, but it's just, it's so harsh to like, you know, he basically said like, so I heard the show's funny. No, 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 <laughs> Jimmy, that's not the fucking point, you know? And what's great is the, one of the women, I, I can't remember her name, uh, and I feel bad, but uh, one of the actresses, she she had to do Jimmy's work for him. And she goes, well, you know, Jimmy, uh, Native culture is actually funny. <laughs> and like uh, indigenous culture has a lot of comedy in it. And then she like went into why parts of it were funny. And he could have done that. He could have actually like introduced like, well, what's interesting about the culture? You know, all these kind of things or even like seen some of it. Right, I don't know if you've yeah. even seen some of the show, and said like, "Oh, that part where you know your your grandfather, the native guy, was going and having visions." That you know, just talking about the native part of it. Um, so that just like bothered me that you know, it's almost like in this day and age, people still have a hard time discussing it, or I don't know. It's a just a big opportunity, and he failed to capitalize on it, and with a little bit of legwork on his part, or at least on his producer's part, his prepper part. I mean, you know, I've worked in Hollywood some, and it's like you. There's there's so many people in the mix. There's so many opportunities for somebody to step in and to educate and to change the course of things. I mean, this must have gone through a lot of hands and nobody did anything, which sounds really disappointing. No, it was it wasn't. I don't think it went through any hands. Is my point when I watched. That, that's it. what I mean. Like all these opportunities, nobody yeah. took the opportunity to enrich the interview. Like it probably it probably went through at least like five six different people who had hands on the content. And none of them said we should dig deeper or, oh, why don't we ask about this episode or why don't we or key in on something, you know? Key on something is, is exactly it. And the point is in this show, they talk about like eating catfish a lot, you know, and enjoying catfish and their, their you know, their parents and stuff making like really good catfish. Like that's a f- funny little interesting cultural thing, right? It's also yeah. like they, they talk about the res. They talk about, um, you know, broken down cars and stuff. I don't know. There's just so many things that are real. And it's not stereotypical. It's just like things that happen in, you know, this yeah. setting. And so yeah. so that's one thing that I didn't like. But the other thing I just want to bring up with this is that, you know, I'd lost my dad two years ago. Uh, he was the most native person in the world. And I say that in a loving way. <laughs> he had super long hair. He looked much more Native American than I do. And, and there is a look. I mean, he looked like he, like, was in <laughs> prey in that way. Like, his his style was just that style, native style, you know, um, beads and stuff and everything, right? And he would talk about visions and he would talk about listening to the wind. And there was these things that he did. He did. He shows up in Reservation Dogs. Like, through a couple of characters, I see him. Mm, and it's okay. just incredible for someone who has, you know, native people in their life uh, or come from that culture or living on a res, but, like, this one guy who kind of, like, jokingly talks about listening to the wind and listening to spirits. You know, I just hear my dad. It's so crazy. So that's another reason why I love it. But 
I've talked a lot about it. I don't know. It's one of my favorite things to watch. Well, I'm going to watch it. It's definitely, it's really, really close to the top of our list. Um, like I said, we're going to hit it pretty soon. We can take a couple, couple things to wrap up. We're going to hit that. Um, speaking of um, indigenous representation, ironic that we have so much to talk about this uh, episode since it's something that I feel like is really underserved in general. But I know I talked about um, Resident Alien a while ago. You remember we talked about the show? I believe it's, I don't know what, I don't know what station it's on, but maybe it's Hulu or maybe oh, something yeah, else. It's about yeah, the guy. Yeah. Oh boy, I'm doing a terrible job of podcasting. The actor who was on um, Firefly, he does a lot of voice work. He's been around. He's done a lot of sci-fi stuff. Alan I forget what... Tudyk? Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Yes. Alan Tudyk. He plays uh, the alien um, and he comes to Earth. He takes on a human disguise and he kind of stumble fucks his way through human culture. Um, they're in, I want to say it's set in Montana. That could be wrong. That show has tons of native representation and i think i said it to you before i need you to watch that show because uh his assistant is um an indigenous woman who's also like a nurse and so she kind of like educates him about stuff but she also takes him under her wing because he's obviously so weirded out because he's an alien and nobody knows but he's like you know human culture is weird and what do i do and i'm making embarrassing social mistakes and so she like takes him back to like their home where there's all these other indigenous people like her whole extended family like barbecue like her dad shows up and his her dad is a really famous um indigenous actor and i'm embarrassed i don't know his name right now he's kind of like that like a b-list guy who shows up in a lot of things like you see his face and you know who it is but you don't know his name uh, but he's in there he does a great job and like they do like a lot of indigenous stuff on that show and i think it's i mean I'll, i will defer to your opinion but i think as a random white guy who's not indigenous at all i think they do a really good job of being really respectful to it and it's really interesting and 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 heartwarming it kind of reminds me of how they treated uh, Muslim culture on Ms. Marvel, right? Where they kind of like, it was there, but it wasn't the focus, it, but it was surrounding them. The show was dipped in it. Yeah. And it just was like a really good flavor. I feel like that's how they treat um, the indigenous culture in Resident Evil. And you've got to watch it. Dude. I'm going I feel to, like you like, would right? really like no, it. No, I know. I'm, I'm glad we brought it up again. It's a sci-fi original, I think, or sci-fi. Oh, that's right. That's sci-fi, why. of course. Um, yes, yes, But yes. I'll find it. I'll find a way to watch it. And uh, you know what it reminds me of? And so thank you for reminding me, um, is and this is about aliens now, is People of Earth. <laughs> people of Earth? What is that? Are you fucking kidding me? I'm so sad. I think I got canceled. It is a perfect TV series. TV show that we're talking about? Yes. Okay, hold on. So it, it is... Uh, oh, my goodness, dude. You're you're in for a treat because I, I don't think it have a bad episode. Um, I don't know. I think I got canceled. It's about a journalist who's skeptical about aliens, and then he finds a support group for people who think they've been abducted by aliens. Um, but also, spoiler, there's fucking aliens in it. Oh, okay. I saw the trailer. You know, I haven't gotten around to watching this. I think it's, yeah, okay. okay. I know what you're talking about now. Oh, it's it's genius level. Like, I don't think people understand. It's, yeah. Um, and then also Dark Winds, which I haven't started. Back to Indigenous. is supposed to be I do not know what that, what is that about. Spooky and native representation and spooky. I don't know. Oh, man, it's too many, too many shows too many to watch. Shows. My list of shows to watch is real long you guys movies tv i got my list divided up into uh me and the wife movies i got the, i got family movies i got me and the son movies tv like oh i just i just need more free time man i need to be that uh, immortal vampire living in a basement so well I can get through all my media we're also giving it to people listening so they can go check it out too so there's a bunch of stuff to check out man okay one more quick shout out what am i looking at my stuff oh yeah i want to just give a quick not not a shout out but more of just like a mention because I feel like shout out is kind of like more of like a I support this kind of a thing. Uh, this is just like a mention. I you know we watched the boys. Have you seen the boys? You must. Have yeah, seen I the have boys. a love hate relationship with it. Same, 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 same. Yeah. Um, uh, the boys is 
really cool in one way and like really awful in another way. And honestly, real talk, dude, I have been, me and my wife both have been literally traumatized by watching that show um, because now in any show, in any TV show, whenever someone turns slowly to look at the camera, I am waiting for their head to explode. Yeah. Um, it happens all the time in the boys and it's really graphic and shocking. And it's just like, I can't watch a show now without expecting someone's head to explode. Even if I'm watching some bullshit, like, like a sitcom or something where no one ever dies, I keep waiting for that head to explode. And like, it's, it's really traumatizing. Anyway, the boys season three is back. And even though we were both kind of like breathing a heavy sigh about not wanting to be traumatized further, I do want to see where the story goes. And boy, they are upping the gore factor. Like it is, it, it's gory, dude. Have you seen season three at all? Any of it? No, and I won't. I, I, this is just real quick side t- side note is it's similar to Lord, uh, not Lord of the Rings, um, <laughs> Game of Thrones for me, where I got that frustration of like the gore factor, the, well, I don't even say the other stuff that happens in that show, but you know, the, the intense stuff and the injustice, I can't deal with that too yeah. much in a show. It's, it's, so. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. It's, it's rough. Um, we're kind of, I mean, we're two seasons in, and I do want to see. I'm waiting for like the bad guys to get their comeuppance. Really so, oh, they're not going to. I bet they're not. Gonna. I mean, who knows, dude? Who knows, right? But like, but it is number one gore factor. Like, I was shocking. Like first episode, I was like, oh my god, and then like the next episode, I was like, oh my god. Like it just, it just goes up from there, and it's already like, like I'm not a person who gets offended by gore, but I was like eating some popcorn, and as soon as that happened, I like had to stop eating my popcorn because I was like, oh, dude, that was like a lot. Um, but beyond that, it's interesting because. I was hearing some people a couple weeks ago where some people who are maybe not the smartest people um, on earth, and you can probably figure out who I'm talking about, were very surprised to find out that Homelander, who is the central antagonist of the show, they thought he was like the protagonist, like the star of the show. Hmm. And when he starts um, having some troubles in season three, uh, they're like, what's going on? Oh, PC and all you guys like your snowflakes and why are you messing up my show? And I'm like, bro, if you've seen this show for two and a half seasons and you weren't able to put together that Homelander is like the stand in for like Trumpism and fascism and all of the bad things that we're talking about, you thought he was the star. I mean, that's like that's like watching Star Wars and thinking Darth Vader is the star of Star Wars. Well, no, but there's a lot of people who think in those kind of ways right now about. Well, that's what I mean, right? That's really telling. It says more about you than the show that you think Homelander like like if someone comes to me and is like. If if they, if I said, hey, uh, dude, who is the star of Star Wars? And there's Darth Vader. Okay, I know that I don't want to be your friend. I know what kind of person you are. You probably got a MAGA hat and you got stars and bars and you're a weirdo. Um, that's kind of the same thing where I'm like, I was really shocked and taken aback to hear that there was a lot of people who were surprised that Homelander wasn't the hero. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like a psychotic megalomaniac it's it's he was dating a nazi like are you kidding me of course he's not the fuck anyway anyway it's a good show i have to hold my nose a little bit when i watch it and i am definitely traumatized but i am watching it so i guess that says something um anyway boy season three is back whatever but on a more (laughs) oh wait i want to tell one last thing and this this is gonna be the longest just before we go ever we're still um, going, but yeah. We're still going. That actor's name is Anthony Starr, or Anthony Starr. I don't know if how you say Who it. Who plays Homelander? Homelander. Mm-hmm. So his best role for me is one of my favorite shows right now is called Auntie Donna's Big, Big Old House of Fun on Netflix. I've never heard of that. Auntie Donna's, I follow them on Patreon and, and support them. They're is it a comedy, comedy show or what is comedy it? Comedy troupe, sketch comedy. Oh, okay. It's fucking genius, by the way. I, I thought I've told you before, but Auntie Donna. I've never heard of that show. Okay. Auntie Donna Netflix. Uh, they're Australian. And so he is as well. I believe it's in New Zealand. I'm, I forgot where he's from. Oh, does he have an accent in yes, real life? Yes, he does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. And so New Zealand actor. Yeah. 
And so he was on that show, Auntie Donna, in a very funny role. Uh, well, in a very weird role. Um, so that's how I like, I always think of him now because he's always like this bravado guy in that show. But just watch him once in a different setting and you can think of him differently. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I saw him giving a um, pre-release interview about The Boys before season three came out. And it was him as the guy who plays Homelander. What did you say his name was? Anthony? Anthony, yeah, I think. Um, and he wasn't like like in, in The Boys, if anybody doesn't know, he just looks like a blonde Superman kind of a guy. Um, no, nothing wrong with his face. It's just like a normal face. But like his presentation in the interview was so different because he wasn't acting. I didn't even recognize that it was the guy who played Homelander for like two minutes. I thought it was like some random guy. And I'm like, why am I watching? Who? Oh, my God, it's Homelander. I didn't realize he he acts, dude. Like he acts the fuck out of that role. And I props yeah. to him because I hate him on the show. And that's great. But man, when I saw him when he wasn't acting, I did not even recognize the guy. And I'm not talking about makeup. It was just how he was coming off right well what's funny is that like to that point in auntie donna to give you a little context he plays and this is a weird setting he's he's a stray man that they found stray man, stray is man. Like a homeless man yeah yeah they call him stray man though and he's just sitting at the table and, and one of the guys is like yeah we found him so like we feed him now and he's just here and like they jingle che- jingle uh keys you know like he's he, almost like, like a dog yeah <laughs> and it, it gets weirder and weirder but Anyways, I digress. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. One more thing about a show. Um, I know we talk about the Orville all the time. I need to keep talking about it because not enough people are watching it. I know you're maybe not the biggest fan or didn't click with you, um, but I think the Orville is fucking fantastic. We just wrapped up season three. Um, There was like a two, three year hiatus between season two and season three because of COVID. They switched networks, whatever, whatever stuff beyond the scenes. So like a three year gap between the shows, um, which is crazy, but they came back from it. Season three fucking incredible best season ever amazing sci-fi the story is they i mean i cried multiple times watching the show laughed i think the show is so fucking good i want everybody to at least give it a shot and to get past the first couple episodes because to be fair it did start off as like a star trek parody but they really quickly pivoted into serious star trek and man they they must be like real heartfelt star trek fans because they know how to tell these stories and it is so good um the thing that i was going to say was in addition to being one of the best Star Trek shows I've ever seen, better than actual Star Trek, uh, they finished season three, and I think it could be the end of the series. Um, they have not got a new deal to re-up, and they are going to be going to have their reruns on Disney+. Plus. So if you have not seen the show, it will soon be available, I believe, only on Disney+. Plus. And they believe that if the show does well, talking about if it keeps getting fan support, if people keep talking about it, if the rewatch numbers on Disney Plus are pretty good, um, they feel like there's a real shot it could come back for a season four. Um, and Seth MacFarlane is really good at getting shows revived. It's like one of the things he's known for. Um, but if it doesn't, then I guess that's the end of the show, which would be a real shame because I feel like they were doing some amazing storytelling. And I do want to uh, just just caution or not caution, but reassure people, um, even though this may be the end of the road after three seasons, I feel like they actually wrapped it up really well. I mean, if there's never any more episodes, I feel like it came to a great conclusion, a very satisfying place. I feel like a really smart, warm, wonderful landing pad for the series to go out on. Although I definitely hope that they bring it back. I don't want the show to be over, but if they do, if it, if it doesn't come back, you can watch the whole thing three seasons. And I feel like it has great resolution they're not gonna leave you hanging at the end so sometimes that's all you need though it's just a couple seasons i mean people don't have to go crazy with i mean true but i really feel like there's i feel like there's more they could do i really wish i i hope hope it comes back i genuinely do 
but if you like Star Trek, if you like good sci-fi, if you like that kind of ensemble show, get past the first couple episodes. And I, man, nothing but the highest recommendation. I love the Orville so much. It is like the best thing Seth MacFarlane has ever done. It's so good. Check it out. Hey, Check it out. before we go, and now this is an actual normal uh, length episode because <laughs> we're at right? an hour 30 now. Um, two more things. One, I mentioned I saw that movie. It was Nope. Uh, oh yeah, the um, uh, Jordan, Jordan Peele, Peele movie. Jordan Peele. Yeah. Did you see that? I didn't know you saw it. That's what the one I told you. The only one I go into the movie since oh, COVID. At the top of the show, that's the, the movie the you went to go see. Gotcha, yes, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Well, yeah. Tell me all about it. Yeah. Well, I won't tell well, you all about it because it's it's all spoilers. Uh, so I can't say anything about it. But I will say one thing because I don't have any other podcasts to talk about. Nope on. Um, I love him. Okay. Put the asterisk. I love Jordan Peele. Yeah. Same. Get Out. I loved us. I liked okay, but Get Out was like perfect. Uh, us, I didn't like as much. And this being his third film, um, yeah, I was underwhelmed. And I still had a great time because it was me in a theater by myself, and it was cool as shit. Uh, and he made a spectacle movie that's a spectacle, and it was fun, right? But two things. One, there's an opening scene that I won't say that's incredible, and you're like, what like is Like incredible good? Yeah. And you're like, what is this movie going to be? And it like puts this little Twilight Zone kind of feel to you. And you're like, oh, man, this is going to be crazy, you know? And it doesn't live up to it. Like, uh. it, it kind of comes back to that scene, but it's like, it's just not the same. And so I don't know if it was just a mess up by putting that scene in the beginning and going like, you know, make people wonder. Started too strong. It maybe. started pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, it's cool as shit and a really cool idea that it's all spoiler, so I can't talk about the movie at all. Right. But it's right, about, right. you know, what's in the skies above sure, these people. Sure. But um, yeah, I don't know. I love him to death. I thought it was really well executed, but just underwhelmed. And I, I think it maybe it was my expectations. I have heard that. I haven't seen the movie. I will definitely download it as soon as it comes to stream. But I have heard pretty mixed reviews. I think people felt like it perhaps lacked focus or maybe it didn't it didn't pop the way they were expecting. Maybe he's I don't know, experimenting well, a little bit. I can articulate what. exactly what was wrong with it, but I can't without saying spoilers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, and before we really go, GTA 6, remember I mentioned it'd be female protagonist. Yes. Uh, Latina, by the way. Found that. Okay. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, I think I said bet on it that it's going to be a guy as well. Well, Yeah, alternate character, yes. Rumblings are that it's going to be a Bonnie and Clyde situation where you'll have a guy as well. Yeah, I think you I and I did not take that bet because I thought you were right, dude. Yep. I thought you were gonna nail it. So yeah. uh okay, one more thing before we go oh here. Oh my goodness, so you're never done. One more thing before we go. Papers please. You've played Papers Please. I have. It's on new platforms, right? It is on new platforms. So Papers Please put out um by that really smart game developer guy whose name I am blanking on right now. If you can figure that I'll out, that would find be great. it. Um I played it on the Vita uh back in the day, and it was pretty good, but I had some interface problems for um, this is a game where you play as a customs agent where you are letting people through your border. Uh, the interface is intentionally difficult to use because that's part of the game is you're struggling to get things done efficiently. And they often have questions. They lie to you. you got to figure out who's who, figure out who to let in, who to not let in. It's a brilliant game. Like, I think one of the, I mean, obviously one of the best indie games ever created, I think. I don't think there's any argument about that. Um, but I didn't care for it too much on the Vita because I struggled and I didn't want to play it on PC because I don't like playing PC games. It's finally on phones. And I'm thinking, okay, I could do like a touchscreen. That might work. So it's on uh, iOS and Android for five bucks. An incredible game at an incredible price. But here's the problem. Um, when you go to, I don't know about the iTunes store, but I went to the Google store to download it for Android. 
that game does not come up in the search. And at first I thought it was like, I'm, I'm definitely spelling it right, but it's like papers, comma, please, exclamation point. And I'm like, I didn't put in the, uh, the um, uh, you know, punctuation. So I thought, okay, maybe I just need to put that. Nope. I tried it like five different ways. And no matter which way I put it in, it did not show even in the, even in the top 30 results. Hmm. Um, what ended up coming up was like border patrol agent, um, guy at the border, uh, passport game. Like it was all the clones, right? Like it was all these clones who were obviously ripping them off. Uh, Lucas Pope. Is that what his name is? Yeah, Lucas, Lucas Pope? Pope. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so like, you can't find it. I searched and searched. I could not find it. The way that I found it was I went to Lucas Pope's Twitter. I don't know what his name is. It's, it's not Lucas Pope. It's something else on Twitter, but he, he shared the link to the Google store and I went to the link and I found the game, but it is not searchable. And I hope he gets that fixed soon. I don't know what he can do about that, but fucking terrible. Here's like one of the most important indie games ever created now available to a whole new generation of people. And you can't fucking find it because there's so many fucking clones that are stealing his thunder. Well, I have, so, I have an answer for that too, probably. Yes, go ahead. Because I worked in iOS games and I, I work at, at my day job as uh, mobile games as well. So it's just the search probably wasn't um, totally done yet. Like hmm. when you list game or if you relist games, like sometimes you'll jump, you'll get pushed out of search or something. So I think it's just the release candidate or whatever wasn't fully um, into the search database. I'm just guessing because I just did a search right now on my computer on the Google Play Store and it came up. Oh, um, good. So good. I think it's probably already fixed. Um, I'm just guessing because like lots of times we would do a new game or a new release candidate in a, in, a, in my last company and yeah, yeah, it just wouldn't show up at either as well. So I think it's a search thing. Well, I did search for it. I think one day after it came out on that platform. So maybe you're right. Maybe it was just a timing thing, or maybe they got it fixed. I hope that is fixed. Yeah. Because it would be a terrible disservice to the to Lucas Pope and to this game to have this wonderful game available and people just can't find it, or even worse, they buy a clone thinking it's that game. That would be yeah horrible. So please don't buy anything but the original. Check it out if you've never played it. I believe everybody should play this game, even if you don't like it, even if you don't finish it. Just playing it and seeing what it's about is, I think, really, really illuminating in many ways. And I really like it a lot. I'm looking forward to diving back in um, and just giving it another shot. So there's that final thing before we go. Um, uh, do you know, Carlos, on TikTok, the guy's name is Good Boy Noah? I don't know if I do. And I'm on TikTok. What? Good boy. So he is, he is a, a singer, also, I guess, kind of a comedian, also kind of a chef. Uh, one of my good friends on Twitter, uh, Mikey, his name is, his name is uh, Pass Them Sticks on Twitter. Love Mikey. Hey, what's up, Mikey? Um, he he and I talk about food, uh, and our friend Ryan as well. We have kind of this little food food thing going where we talk about different dishes and stuff. And so Good Boy Noah is a guy who does these comedy cooking videos where he shows up. He talks to a puppet, which is also a cheetah, and then the two of them together sing a rap song that is also um, teaching you how to cook a specific dish. Yeah, I know him now because all you had to say is cheetah. He goes, yeah, the hey, cheetah. cheetah. He like, He's like, exactly. Yeah. He goes, hey, oh, cheetah. Like, that's the beginning to every song. Yeah. And the last one he did was like a coconut shrimp and he rhymed it with like um, pimp. So pimp and shrimp, of course, puts on a big pimp coat before he starts cooking the coconut shrimp. It was really funny. And I watched the recipe and I'm like, you know, I actually have all these ingredients here on hand. I'm going to actually make this recipe. It was dope. Like it was a really good recipe. It was super tasty. And I just think it's really, really funny. So if you want to see something that teaches you something and also I guarantee will make you laugh. Uh, I dig, I dig good boy. Noah. I don't go on TikTok, but Mikey sends me the link every time a new one comes out and I check them out and it's really funny shit. So oh, check it out. now you're going to make me think of, I want to know this one character. Um, she's so good. I'm not going to remember it now. I'll remember next time. But there's a woman who does uh, cooking and just does it really funny style. 
There's a lot, again, there's a lot of great stuff on TikTok. It's not just dancing and singing. Right, right, right. My stuff's on there. You can go there, Carlos Vidella. That's right. Click on Carlos's video. When you're done, go click on some funny cooking videos. Yes. See a cheetah, see a pimp goat, cook some shrimp. It's all good. Anything left? Uh, anything? Any no, last thing before we go, Carlos? We're super over time now. All right. We are out. That is a show. Thank you, as always, folks, for listening. As always, thanks for your questions and comments. If you want to send us something, hit us up, sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at sovideogames. Reach us individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? TikTok. By the time uh, this comes out, I'm guessing, or maybe a little after, uh, I'll be doing another crossover video. Uh, so check out Carlos Rodella on TikTok. And I just found that girl, by the way. Hold on. Oh, what's her name? Hold on. I just had to mute it. Uh, it's Cooking with L-Y-N-J-A. She's a L-Y-N-J-A. Old, cooking okay. with L-Y-N-J-A. She's Linja? like an older Asian woman who... The editing, I don't know if she does it or if someone does it for her. It's so fun. Uh, really fast editing. And she'll just like throw things in a bowl and things are like falling all over the place. And then it, it ends with a really good, interesting, yummy thing. Uh, right on. It's super fun. Anyways. Right on. All right. All right. Cool. A lot of co- talented cooking people. Also a lot of talented comedians uh, such as yourself. Yeah. Check out TikTok. Uh, as for me, social media, it's the same as always. It's on Instagram. It's on Twitter. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And this is going to do it for episode 296. Once again, folks, thank you for joining us here on Sober Games Podcast, and we'll see you next week. But in the meantime, this is Bye From Brad. Yeah, Bye From Carlos. That's it.